When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Elise, how are you, darling? How was your show last night? Oh my gosh, I'm great. Uh, I had a wonderful show for a different political podcast. Sorry. (gasps) Cheater, (laughs) how dare you? Two Beers In, the Tipsy Political Roundtable is a very fun podcast. And I actually got to meet Mark Levine, who is... He's not my borough president, but he is your <laughs> borough president. He's the Manhattan borough president. And he's a really nice guy. And we That's really hit it That's lovely to hear. And I think he's my new BFF. I stand my president. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really funny because I was coming home and Danny was texting me and he was like, how was the show? And I was like, it was amazing. I met the president of Manhattan. And he was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, yeah, there's a president. He's like, okay, Elise. Okay, cool. And I'm like, no, like Eric Adams used to be the president of Brooklyn. Now Correct, he's right. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I was telling you that caveat. We love we love that venue. I've gone to like caveats lots of are great. caveats. Um, the Reductress does, Reductress does amazing shows there. I think Hey Alma just did a cool show there, and uh, we've been chatting with them. And there might be there might be a live sub show over the summer. I don't know what kind of medication I'm gonna have to take to get through it, but I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll help. I can help with that, Amanda. And also, <sighs> caveat is the best energy as far as like a venue i love it it's on the lower east side their whole thing is like they want all of their content to have like an intellectual or like mm. thoughtful bent to oh, it oh they made a mistake reaching out to us <laughs> I, know, I know sorry um <laughs> but it's a really great place yeah that's um, exciting so if people are looking for shows in the lower east side i definitely check out their roster of shows because they're really great Definitely, if you're visiting. Yeah, it's always just like it's a good vibe. And they're a good example of a place where I can go see comedy and I'm not on edge about if somebody's going to make a joke that makes me want to leave. Like that's never happened when I've been there. And they have amazing popcorn. They do have they have really great popcorn, really great snacks. Um, uh, The staff there is really awesome. I really can't say enough good things about Caveat. (laughs) One time I went there for like a dachshund only event. It was great. That's incredible. I know. Thank you. That's really something. Thanks to my (laughs) Manhattan president. All right. Topic of the day. I'm just going to throw this out there, Elise. I'm just going to say, I think it's too easy for for people to buy up social media platforms with global influence. I think it's too easy. I didn't realize that it was as easy as it turns out 
that it'll be. It took what a week between About him that. having having the idea and just securing the platform for forty four billion dollars. Forty four billion dollars. And if it feels like this snuck up on you, you're not like a you're not out of it. This snuck on te- snuck no. up on tech reporters. Like the actual idea of this happening seemed very remote, especially because they were in this like toxic will they or won't they for a while. It was unclear if they actually really wanted each other, but it seems like they just like threw their hands up, which reminds me of the ultimatum that I watched all weekend. <laughs> well, it was also weird because like um, I wrote this in our newsletter today because I was just kind of in our market section. I was putting this in. Um, and it, at first they like the board had put in that poison pill to make it so he couldn't possibly buy it. So the 180, I guess they 180 once they found out that he actually had like the financial backing to do what yeah. he was saying. But at the same time, I'm just like the whiplash from all of it is really weird. The entire situation is weird. And honestly, Elon Musk is a person. It seems like he's just the type of guy who's like really rich and gets like a wild hair up his ass and is like, today I'm going to go. I'm building a spaceship. I'm building a submarine. I'm building a tunnel. I'm buying Twitter. (laughs) I'm putting a brain chip in a pig. And I'm like, okay, what is your job? What is your actual thing that you're working on? And also the Tesla cars still need work. So why don't you just focus on the cars? Yeah, his spaceship isn't, he's got some things going up there, but his spaceship, I mean, that's one thing I read today too, is like, it is like not, like one of the reasons I think Jack Dorsey left is because he was having trouble managing two companies. I'm not sure how many Elon Musk has now. I think it's like five or six, but you're right. They all are dealing with a lot of government money. Like they're getting government subsidies. They want to put chips in our brains. They want to go to space. They want to like, dig tunnels. They want to change all the cars. It's Gilded Age shit. He, at 100%, and he is bottom of the list as far as spaceships that I'm getting on. His attention isn't, his, he, I need the Ooh. person who built the spaceship that Top I'm priority. on to be 100% focused on the spaceship. You know, I'm going to say the same goes for brain chips. <laughs> and absolutely, chips in my brain, any of that stuff. I want that to be their 100% thing that they are working on (laughs) yeah and just we'll get to this but it's just there are there are so many people in the world there are real free speech concerns there are real questions that need to be answered but the fact that this guy thinks that he is the one to answer them it it was like i had a stomach i have a stomach ache every time i think about it it's just completely the fact that this could happen so quickly that it could happen at all a lot of this wealth is like i don't know the technicals but i'm sure most of this wealth or the wealth that he could get these loans against is like untaxed somebody gave him money to do this i was like texting people this morning i was like would you give me 44 billion dollars <laughs> everyone said I mean, no this also just for me i know this isn't how it actually works but when money gets to that level it's like all hypothetical to me i'm like they might as well be just exchanging little tokens i mean like this one's 44 billion dollars i'm like okay i guess you exchanged that money well that's next for him that's dogecoin yeah 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 yeah. i mean it does seem like he just paid 44 billion dollars for an enormous pain in his own ass i don't actually hate all of his suggestions for the platform Mm -hmm. Um, I think just the way that it was purchased, the fact that kind of one guy can become in charge of the public square in this way, the fact that the public square actually is just a company that one guy can be in charge of, like, I think it's brought up a lot of those questions. Right, because I did see some charts going around yesterday, just like, yes, this is unfortunately not the first time that a billionaire has, like, purchased a means of communication. 
Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Um, there are, but on a broader level, like there are also like people were pointing out like private equity firms buy up local news places all the time. And it's just such yeah, a trend exactly. of like how broken things are about the way we get information. So some details, some details. We'll touch on some follow-ups. I know you and Sally probably talked about this yesterday, but yes. Twitter, of course, accepted Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover offer. If this goes through, it means the world's richest man will own one of the most influential social networks, one that often helps define the broader national and cultural discourse. This means that the company will be taken private and the board of directors goes away. I, Like I said, I think this snuck up on people just because that seemed so crazy. Experts were surprised that he could get this type of backing so quickly. He obviously does not have, whenever you say tax the rich, I'll be, I'll be the, the commenter, the first commenter always says, well, he doesn't have that much in the bank, but... I mean, if he can get a loan against it, then it's, you know, kind of available right, exactly. to him. That's why I'm like, it's all hypothetical, like tokens right. at this point. Like, <laughs> OK, so it's not in the bank, but he can still buy stuff with it. So we can't right. tax him on the money because it's not in the bank, but he can still use the money to buy other stuff. Like, that's fake to me. That's fake. <laughs> it's as fake as a Dogecoin. Completely fake. And credit can be good. I'm sure there, the, the history of people having access to credit in this country provides lots of opportunities. But something is so fundamentally broken when this man can get a $44 billion, a loan to buy a $44 billion company. But in New York City, and I'm sure other cities, you cannot get an apartment, rent an apartment, unless you make 40 times the rent. And nobody's yeah. helping you with that. <laughs> yeah, it just goes, I mean... We talk about it a lot, but like there are just different rules for the ultra rich and they're able to wheel and deal with each other and hand, like exchange their tokens all above <laughs> yeah, our literally. heads yeah. while the rest of us actually have to like have real shit in the bank to back up our financial statements. Mm hmm. And pay taxes. I had to. I just paid a lot of taxes. I had to pay all my taxes. I had to pay all my city taxes. But it's okay. Manhattan president. <laughs> we all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with Pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. All right. So what happens next? Uh, Twitter staff, they don't know what's going to happen with their jobs. They didn't expect this either. I mean, imagine working at Twitter and knowing that this guy just bought it or how Musk wants to restructure the company. It seems clear that he wants to be pretty involved. 
Next steps do include shareholder approval and tying up some loose ends. That could take three to six months. So this doesn't happen tomorrow. Like we're seeing a lot of people like this might be the last day I'm on Twitter, which at least three to six months. If he decides he yeah. wants to like sweep up all the all the pro-union people, that's at least three to six months away. They also must have done, we were talking about this a little bit offline, but they were they, they must have a done a bot purge. For sure. It's very funny that, so they clearly did a bot purge like the same day that this came out. Be, but now there are all these people being like, I've lost 2,000 followers oh, no. since Elon Musk announced or whatever. I lo- I did lose a few yesterday. We did too, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I don't think this is because I tweeted the video of Leah Michelle singing Don't Rain on My Parade. You never maybe. know. Maybe. <laughs> That really is such a nightmare. Like sometimes like my brain will misread like the set following and I'll reverse two numbers. And then the, the, the way my stomach sinks and I'm like, what do we do? What did I do? <laughs> I know I did look because I, you know, I don't have notifications for people that leave. Right? I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have notifications. I, I don't have notifications go like I don't get a notification for stuff from people I'm not following, which has brought me an immense amount of peace. <laughs> But I also like frantically checked my account to be like, am I being canceled? Like, exactly. did I do something wrong? I'm really sorry about the Leah Michelle video. I just think that she did a really good job in the season thir- one finale of Glee. I'm really sorry. Yeah. A couple months ago, like the sub account got like a wave of followers that were all just like faceless accounts with like three followers. So those were definitely all bots. And that's something that Elon Musk said he wanted to deal with as well that I think yeah. is perfectly fine. But what else does Elon Musk want to do with Twitter? So he's made a lot of vague statements. Um, recently, he made like a, a TED talk or a TED, TEDx talk recently. And he also made a statement yesterday. But he said, of course, that he wants to eliminate spammers and just more broadly promote free speech. Nobody knows exactly what he means by that. But apparently, Elon Musk, as I said, is like the world's most foremost expert on free speech concerns. This whole thing is giving I alone can fix it like Trump vibes. Yes. Like I am the one that has to buy this up just like Trump was like, I have to run for president to fix this country. He's like, I have to buy this to fix it. And it's free speech as defined by Elon Musk, one individual guy. So, you know, I do think it's I I think cracking down on bots is a really good idea. I think that um, making the algorithm open to people is a really interesting idea, which is one of his things. I think transparency in these algorithms on social media actually is good but at the end of the day like we have to we're gonna just have to wait and see how he administers this free speech policy per his understanding of what that should be and what is good and what is valuable speech to have on a platform and like it's basically just gonna all be up to this one guy who makes some pretty weird choices. Right. And his ability, like his entitlement to free speech has already got him in trouble with the SEC. He is still trolling the SEC, which that's what makes me nervous is that like he does not take the governing structures seriously. But one thing I'm trying to remember in all of this, I mean, is that our government can actually still regulate this. Like he cannot He can't break the government's rules. Like he has said, I will do everything that we are allowed to. But we can, the government, as we talk about a lot in terms of Mark Zuckerberg, can sort of change what's what's allowed. So what he has said more broadly, he wants to keep Twitter as a free and open public square. He keeps using the term public square and expressed he thinks that it currently has too many regulations. He sees all speech as equally valuable. He thinks it should all have a chance to bubble up, good or bad, and says Twitter, if under his direction, would only remove content, like I said, that constitutes a crime. 
but that's vague and it also differs in every country and countries can you know act i mean we know the eu is like they're really ready to be done <laughs> they're really ready to go after social media platforms and he's gonna have to do what they say he's gonna have to do what they say twitter has been seen as going farther than other platforms and minimizing dangerous speech one of those regulations is famously the permanent suspension of former President Donald Trump after he tweeted an insurrection into existence and refused to suppress it while it was happening. So yesterday, Twitter CEO deflected questions about whether Trump would be welcome back on the platform, saying, ask Elon, which is uh, gives me gives me the shivers. Uh, uh, when asked about this, uh, Trump himself said that he would not be using Twitter and he would be staying on Truth Social. <laughs> it's such a Trump thing. It is very him to say that like something sometimes he does something so him that i'm like oh donald (laughs) obviously that's not true if they reinstate his band he will be back on twitter so fucking fast with a tweet that's like i had had an amazing conversation with elon and he convinced me that my voice is needed back on the platform right 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 and some something fake about how like actually truth social he's making money on it like it's He's not staying on Truth Social if he gets back on Twitter. I know this was the first thing Donald Trump ever said that I think might have actually gone through like a comms team because it it was really a great opportunity to like I hate him, but that was a really great opportunity to promote his own app. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, genius. (laughs) Well done. Well done. done. Get the message out. Well done. Get the message out there. Uh, Some other factors here that just, as I said, give, give me a stomach ache when I think about it. So Tesla, another company that Musk owns. There's just he owns so much stuff that there's so many intersections and so many potential conflicts of interest. So it's just you think of all the people whose full time job is going to be like just figuring out if what Elon Musk is doing is allowed. Tesla, for instance, is very dependent on China, making some wonder if that means the country can influence decision making at Twitter. I don't know how that would work out practically because Twitter is currently blocked in China. And Elon Musk, as we said, as I cannot help but repeat, owns a brain tech company called Neuralink that is making chips to implant in your brain. I just don't like that. I mean, the concept sounds maybe fine, but... I'm pretty sure it killed every single pig that he tried. They did it to a bunch of pigs and all the pigs died. All right, Elon. Not great. Let's have PETA come after come after Elon Musk. He's also uh, suggested that everybody on Twitter should be verified, which is interesting. It seems like you could rather it might be easier just to take away verification. I think that there's something interesting to making, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, having a way that, like, you can you can see, like, okay, this person has verified their identity. Like, right, right now, verification right, is this weird thing right. of, like, a status thing for people who are maybe famous, but also maybe they're just a journalist or maybe somebody, they just know somebody at Twitter because I know people who have gotten verified that way. <laughs> like, That's the main way. <laughs> That's how Elon Musk did. I mean, yeah, I do think there's a value in just a, a type of verification that says like, this person is the person they are purporting to be. Like, so I don't think all his ideas are bad, but again, he keeps calling it a public square. I don't think the richest man in the world should own the public square. And another thing is like, yeah, he has a lot of labor issues um, at Tesla and some of his other companies. Is that information? How is that information going to be able to spread yeah. on Twitter? What if Tesla employees want to use Twitter to organize? You know, is that going to is that free speech that he wants to protect? Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of ethical questions that go into this. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the point, I think his words might not have been verified, but he said he wanted to authenticate everybody. And I hadn't thought of it the way you had, which is like the the discourse is a lot less toxic when you have to prove that you are a real person and you have to connect your name to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I do think there's a value to that. Yeah. That just seems like such a huge like undertaking to confirm all of those Gargantuan task. Gargantuan. So this has made me think about like, what has Twitter's role been in the public discourse? Because also we talk on the podcast sometimes about how sometimes the things we all get worked up about on Twitter don't actually represent what's going on in the world. It's also interesting because like Twitter feels huge to us, but I was surprised to read this morning. It actually has only a 10th of the users as Facebook and has much less than TikTok, which I guess Twitter's like leaders were like, we don't know. We're not growing. The regulators are coming after us. Let's just give it to this guy. You know that... That honestly might be it. I think the biggest thing about Twitter is that even though it's the smallest user base, that user base, a lot of them are in the media and a lot of them are journalists and Mm -hmm. a lot of journalists and media personalities use Twitter to see what people are saying, to um, figure out what, like, they use it as kind of a political leaders too seem to communicate primarily through Twitter. Exactly. Cause it is the only text based one. It's the only one that's not like video or photos. It's the one where you can write out thoughts. I know I've seen a lot of writers being like, this really sucks because this is the only website where I can tweet out my writing mm-hmm. or like an article that I've written and actually have people read it. So it's not as simple for them as being like, okay, well I'm deactivating my Twitter because it's like, there goes how you let people know you have new or interesting thoughts to share. So it's like, even though it's the least used one, Mm -hmm. the group of people that are using it are so influential in setting the conversation that it has an outsized influence for how many people are actually on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also wonder how much of like the exodus from Facebook we've seen in the last couple of years has like even more inflated the significance. I mean, they're the people that are still on Facebook are probably going looking for their mayor on Facebook to find updates. But like, yeah, like extreme weather events, trying to figure out what's happening there or in emergencies, what your what your elected leader is saying about them. It definitely has outsized influence uh, c- compared to size. And I'm curious to see where that goes. <laughs> Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Finally, now that Elon Musk owns all of our tweets, (laughs) I thought we could each share which of ours we think are the most valuable. If you could make an Mm. NFT out of any one of your tweets, say that like Elon Musk gives us a grace period tomorrow, pick one tweet, it's yours. 
Okay. Um, well, I do. So I do use an app that deletes all of my tweets after one year because I don't Genius. need Genius. If Genius. I could make an NFT of anyone, it would be the one where I said I had a child-free wedding that started such a controversy that I was told that my attitude is the reason children are killed and a journalist, again, talking about how it, it <laughs> creates media, I, I had to delete the entire thread because a journalist contacted me to say they were writing an article about my tweet and I was like, shut it all down. End it. End it and end me. <laughs> so that would be the one. That would, that would be, be one. That would be the one. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I have. See, I do not tweet that often. But when I do, I like make sure it's a banger. I, there was that one I did at the beginning of the pandemic that they put on a billboard that Twitter put mm. on a billboard. And, and like LA about keeping your mask on. I didn't realize you got a Twitter billboard. I got a, it was bizarre. It was crazy. Makes no sense. They also like they didn't. I mean, this is the thing. Twitter does own your shit. They didn't ask me permission. I ask permission for everybody's tweets that I put us on stuff unless they're like a big person. But yeah, I just got like tagged one day with like side eyes with the, like, oh, look at this. Oop, you're on a billboard. Yeah, that would probably. Uh, and then and then my friend started sending it to me. So that would probably be my most valuable. But also I tweeted about anxiety recently. And Elise, two separate people have sent me screenshots of, of my tweet being referred to in college courses about like mental health and stuff. My anxiety is being studied. Yeah. <laughs> and thank God. I mean, it's good for someone. Please take it and learn. You never know how far a tweet will go. And it could be a thought that you had about your child free wedding while <laughs> pooping on the toilet that you send off and then you go for a walk and you come back and people think you are a murderer. <laughs> I mean, that really is the magic of Twitter, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Yeah, I mean, there is this, it's just such an interesting sense of like preemptive nostalgia for Twitter that people have suddenly today. I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that its fundamental nature would change, but it is, it does seem like people are anticipating changes that they feel are so objectionable that they do have to vacate the platform or they'll feel pressured to. Like we sort of, we see that with Facebook, but I have appreciated how like, like Mark Zuckerberg owns face, like Instagram too. But nobody yeah. like nobody's deleting their Instagram, like all the woke publications like we're, we need Instagram. Our entire audience is on Instagram. If we don't, if we're not on Instagram, we don't have a business. Yeah. Like I was able to delete Facebook because that was the one that was the least relevant to my career and putting stuff out. And honestly, for me, there was just the archive of my life that was on Facebook. I was like, shut it all down. <laughs> I just can't. Absolutely. I've had this since I was 17. I don't need this. Whereas Instagram, it is a lot easier to look back at your old stuff. They have archives, curate, da, da, da. That is the place where I have my largest audience to get stuff out. I don't know how I would promote my shows or my work or my writing or anything if I didn't have Instagram. And I think for a lot of um, journalists and people who like, there who write a lot that is what twitter is for them and so mm -hmm. i think that you know it really does put them in a crappy position and i don't begrudge anyone who says like i actually can't get rid of twitter because it's so mm -hmm. tied up in my career and my ability to promote my life which is kind of just raises the questions of like how much these social media companies own 
us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I was just thinking about like, I don't know how to cover or experience an election without like following all the pollsters on Twitter and seeing who yeah. called it like. That's the thing, too, because I don't really feel like I need Twitter in my capacity as a comedian to promote my stuff, really. But as a person who, as in my capacity as one of the co-hosts mm -hmm. of my, this podcast, in my capacity as the person who writes the newsletter, like, it is actually one of the best and easiest ways to see what's going on, see what people are talking about. Um, I actually have always really liked, I don't even know if it's still called Moments, but... I love Twitter. Yeah, it's well yeah, done. Yeah, their trending news section is really, like, well done as far as roundups of what people are talking about and what's going on. And it worries me if Elon Musk doesn't like those. Maybe that's on his list and he's like I think Twitter moments are prioritizing the wrong voices and we need to make sure to get you know fucking American flag Christian dad up there too yeah exactly like it's just I mean it's we're gonna just have to see yeah I don't want to catastrophize too much it's just the concept of this being possible and these people being able I mean it's, it's hard right because I think there could be a case to be made that Jeff Bezos owning the Washington Post gives them gives them resources and gives them leeway that they might not otherwise have. Like they have been able to survive and thrive like most places haven't. Like the only reason the New York Times can is because they own their building. <laughs> like <laughs> otherwise they'd be screwed. And yeah, there are other places that have bought up. I mean, there's another billionaire that separately bought the Atlantic or the Atlantic is part of the Washington Post. There can be like benevolent billionaires, notably Mackenzie Bezos, but uh, yeah, still the concept of a person being able, having the type of wealth, it's just so broken. It just signifies that it's so broken to amass somebody that can amass the type of wealth to just, oh, I don't think these companies were designed to be overtaken by a single person. Like you just never imagine that can happen. It feels like something's shifted. Yeah, and it just really feels like, you know, these social media platforms were invented. They are private companies. They were invented by individual people. But their influence has become something that is so large that they have sort of become a public good at this point. And so for them to just operate like a normal business with one guy in charge who either is a good person or isn't or is a good person some days or isn't a good person right. other days like that's kind of it's kind of like having the power grid be operated by just one kind of weird guy or like our water yeah. our roads right. like this is actually this has become something that has grown bigger than what a private corporation should really be able to have control over. Yeah. And it's just, we just, we, as we've seen, like there, there's nothing stopping that from happening. Like they put up all yeah. the guardrails, but it's still, it's still past them. And to me, that is very scary. I think well, yeah. I, I look forward to Katie Porter and AOC absolutely grilling him in regulatory hearings that, that I can look forward to that. I would love to see incredible. <laughs> We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. 
Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. All right, we're, there are so many insane January 6 updates, including more mess in Mark Pedo's text inbox. More. This man, the text he must have. I mean, I think the most recent one that came out, it's like, we're going to talk about the Caitlin and Sammy, but it's 3,000 text messages on top of like the 10,000 I think we've already known about. Most prolific texter. I really thought that I had a problem with texting. And I, I just am. Um, the, the amount of text messages <laughs> that were received and sent between the election and January 6th. I don't know what my numbers would be, but it's a lot that, I mean, Mark Meadows text and text and text in a way. And when you're texting Elise, you're just like, look at this link, this is crazy. Can you believe this? You're not committing potential crimes of treason right. when you're texting, really, putting them no. in writing, putting them no, in writing. I do my crimes on WhatsApp or yeah. Wicker or that. <laughs> I don't do those in the I message. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Gaines reference to martial law spelled M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. When I read that, I was at Marshall's and I was trying to think what martial law would be. I think it's that you can't hide things that you want to come back for later. What's yours? Oh, mine is that it's um, Eminem is in charge. <laughs> that is, that's martial law. That's martial law. <laughs> Excellent. Also in these, well, this actually isn't a January 6th related headline. It's just a Donald Trump related headline. But Donald Trump is being held in contempt. I feel like every other week we have like a TK person is being held in contempt and we don't actually know if it's meaningless or it's going to mean something. This one is kind of like TBD, but it might be meaningless. A New York state judge made made the move yesterday against Trump because he has failed to comply with a subpoena from the state attorney general's office. Trump will be fined $10,000 a day until he provides those documents. As we know, Trump is fake rich. So Melania better get to sell on those NFTs. Might be time. Yeah, I know. I hope that I hope <laughs> she, she can't she buy her own anymore. A couple more. I know. Right. <laughs> I think you're the one that proposed. And I mean this. I do not mean this in a slut shamey way. I mean this in a real way. She should sell her nude as an <laughs> NFT. She really should. Absolutely. 
I think that would absolutely be able to keep Trump out of court. Objectionable thing she's ever done, and she can make as much money off of it as she wants. And if she wants to make it an NFT, that might be a good way to support this this ruling here. Support her husband. In announcing this decision, I just liked this. The judge, who's also a justice, said, quote, Mr. Trump, I know you take your business seriously, and I take mine seriously. Trump's lawyers have claimed that there is no new relevant information to provide. I'm not sure if they're saying we looked for it and we couldn't find it, or they're saying, like, we've just given you everything you could possibly need. But the state doesn't buy that. And they've asked them to detail how they confirm there are no additional documents. They're like, where'd you look? Why didn't you look? Like, they want to know how they went about this, to be sure. Letitia James has really persisted in demanding information from the Trumps, where a lot of other prosecutors and investigators have just been completely stymied. She has too, but she's pushing through it. And her office has announced it's nearing the end of their inquiry, and they're expected to file a lawsuit soon. This specific inquiry relates to the Trump organization using fraudulent and misleading information and falsely inflating the value of his assets in their annual financial statements, which, of course, is how you get loans. Just a lot of rich people getting loans for doing nothing. Trump has called the Tisha James's inquiry into him. I did not know this until I read it this morning. He has called it racially motivated. <laughs> he thinks she's being racist. Letitia James is black. Incredible. <laughs> I mean, these contempt things are not going uh, particularly far, but I'm curious to see how long he lets this, how long he lets this go. I mean, he's not made of money. Yeah, I don't, I mean, the thing that's been frustrating, I think, with all of this stuff and like how you mentioned, like people getting held in contempt and subpoenas and all this stuff is that, Our legal system just moves so slowly on something that is actually so urgent. Yeah. And it it's just interesting because like, yeah, these things are technically in place to give people the opportunity to not be prosecuted for things they shouldn't be prosecuted for. But in reality, right, as we've seen a million times, it's literally just rich people are able to pull all these levers that like the rest of us could never get held in contempt of court, subpoenaed and not show up, find $10,000 a day, told to appear for a deposition and just not go. Yeah, I mean, people in in Texas aren't getting abortions because they don't have (laughs) $10,000. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it, it really, again, like we've been talking about with the Musk stuff, just two sets of rules for the rich and the rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ugh, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're going to still have Twitter for the Met Gala. That was my, that was my, that is true because the, the theme is Gilded Age. Oh, incredible. <laughs> I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to tweet it and meme it. I mean, I was just, I just saw a tweet referring to 30 to 50 feral hogs. Twitter has really had an influence. Yeah. I did see a lot of people talking about like, what was your favorite day on Twitter? And I do think feral hogs day was up there. That was a really good day. Mm-hmm. It's still hard for me yeah. to imagine how dramatically he could change it. But these changes can also be like slow. And I think people are just anticipating like a slow burn where Twitter is just not doesn't feel like the place it used to, which is so funny because it's like it's like people that are like New York was better in the 70s. It's like there were no rules and it was dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it was actually really dangerous. Like you were but getting Studio attacked. 54 was fun. So yeah, was fun. there's that. There's Some, that. Sometimes lawlessness is OK. Sometimes when we say it is. <laughs> That is our show today. We will be back tomorrow. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And this is The Betches Up Podcast. Bye-bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. 
Betches.